Welcome back to the Suresh podcast. In the last episode, we heard of the request by Baba Buddha Ji to head out of Amritsar to Ramadas as a result of his old age and the impending wars. Baba Buddha Ji was also brave enough to tell Guru Hargobind of some of the slander that was now spreading through the Sikh community, the martial traditions and his interactions with Bande Khan and Kaulam were not viewed favorably by many in the community. The actions by Guru Hargobind were viewed of lacking chastity as the Sikhs would see Guru Hargobind go into Kaulan's house from time to time. At the end of the last chapter, we heard of the birth of Guru Tegh Bahadur, the last child of Guru Hargobind to be born. So chapter 64 now begins describing how in the day after the birth of Guru Tegh Bahadur, the family gave out great amounts of charity to the poor and the Brahmins there in Amritsar. Basically, nobody there in the city remained needy as they all received great amounts of wealth from the Guru's house. Meanwhile, the wondrous actions, the feats, the activities by the Guru were not understood by many of the Sikhs. They saw the exterior practices, but didn't understand the inner essence of them, and they began to slander him. They would say, this is all against the Mariyadda, the code of conduct befitting a Guru. These Sikhs were slandering the Guru like how people would slander the exalted Krishna from the Mahavarata. They would view his exterior practice, his dealings with women, and would say, oh, Krishna just won over by women. They didn't understand within their intellect that he was a perfect man. That avatar, that incarnation of the divine who is imbued with all power, ability, they may do whatever they like. They are holders of great power. Whatever and however much fault, sin, stain is said to be placed upon them doesn't stay, just slips off like rainwater pouring down on the leaves of a lotus flower. Whatever vices may be apparent, those are actually virtues. Whatever auspicious tradition or seemingly bad tradition or practice, that itself is the highest of traditions of all. Those who have such little intellect, who do not know the real deal, they slander them and lay fault upon the Guru. But these cowards only do this type of slander from far away, thinking that the Guru holds such a vice within him. Meanwhile, while they are close to the Guru, they cannot bear the illuminating radiance of the Guru and they stay quiet. So one day, Guru Hargobin went to his residence. He was sitting there in solitude when Mata Dumodri walked in and sat near her husband, explaining, Our daughter is eight years old now. It's appropriate to now have her wedding. You should worry about the wedding and go have the proper date for the wedding set out by the astrologers. Guru Hargobind replied saying, What you're saying is right. I'll get to this task tomorrow morning. So Guru Hargobind spent the night. He woke up the next day at his normal time. In the early hours of the next day, he bathed and he sat in contemplation. When the day broke, when the sun rose, he got up. He started the divan session, the court session. And he called over the astrologer Brahmins. He had the day ascribed for the wedding of his daughter Bibi Viro the young boy named Sadhu, so the astrologers did their calculations and said to Guru Hargobind, the wedding should be in Jet on the 26th day. So Jet is between May and June. The astrologers said that is when it will be an auspicious day for the wedding. So they wrote all this down, they sprinkled some sandalwood on the letter. Guru Hargobind then called Singha Prot and told him all about the plan for the wedding. Guru Hargobind instructed him, go to the village Malla and give this notice that the wedding will be in the month of Jet. Singha took this order, permission from the Guru, and he left 
with excitement to go deliver this news. It took him about four days to get there to the village of Malla. He met with Sadhu's father named Tarma. They all sat down in the house of Tarma happily and they were asking each other how they were. Singha gave over the letter to Tarma and was excited. He gave the letter over to his local pandit who could read it and it was read out loud for everybody to hear. The letter said the daughter of Nandkaur and Tarma are invited to the wedding in the month of Jert. Celebrations will be carried out according to familial tradition. Kulkirid. When people heard about this in the village, Malla, all the beautiful women got together and began singing songs of happiness and celebration. Singaparot stayed there for about two days. He was given many gifts and honors by everybody there. He got back there to Guru Hargobind about five days after reaching Malla and told the Guru everything, who then told all the Masans to go collect all the supplies for the wedding. So they all headed out to go collect supplies, which included clarified butter, great amounts of sugar, which was placed on camels to carry. They got the finest of rice, very fine rice, very nice wheat flour, just the best supply of whatever they found. And they brought it back. They got dried fruit as well, very expensive clothing and fabric. Whatever was needed was brought to Amritsar and all those supplies were now piling up. Guru Hargobind though, he was just carefree in his spontaneous nature would day by day look more gracefully upon Bandai Khan. He was so happy at how strong and tall built Bandai Khan was getting. Bandai Khan with his strength could hold two bulls from their horns. He could break a coconut in his biceps very quickly. When he was training with his weighted clubs, these Persian clubs, he would just swing them around and around and the ground underneath Bandai Khan would just sink. There would be these potholes underneath him because he was swinging such heavy clubs. When there was about 45 minutes left in the day, so the late afternoon, evening time, Guru Hargobind would train with him in countless ways, practicing techniques and strategies. Guru Hargobind would wrestle with him and pin him down, make him submit. Bandeka, even then though, he wouldn't accept defeat and he would say, Oh, Guru Hargobind, you're just using your miracles. That's how you are submitting me and pinning me. There's nobody as strong as me. Look around. If I grabbed an elephant trunk, I could throw an elephant down while not even moving the slightest. What is a camel in front of me? I would throw a camel right on the ground and he would not be able to get up. Whatever strong horse is there, I could grab that too with just one hand and wouldn't let that horse take a step. And a small horse? Well, I could stop that even while it's running. What is that in front of me? Guru Hargobind heard this and would actually praise him saying, Oh, Bandai Khan, you are quite strong and you're right. What horse could bear your strength? Just as your body and build is so strong, such is your vast strength as a result from your hard training, exercise, along with your nutritious diet. That's why you're strong. That's the cause of it. And there really is nobody else as strong as you in the world. Bandika heard this and then said, Oh, Guru Hargavan, you are the reason. You have accepted me as your own. You have nurtured me. If there is ever a battle, I'll get to show my hands there for you. I'll get to show my strength. I'll be able to show you what I'm able to do there. Even if the enemy's army is vast like an ocean, I'll stand there like a giant mountain and bear it all. With my big arms, I'll be like a churner and I'll churn that ocean up and throw it away. I'll decapitate everybody there, throwing their heads there, scattering them around in the battlefield. Guru Hargobin heard this and replied saying, Oh, Bandai Khan, that time, that time will come. Guru Hargobind would speak constantly with Bandai Khan through the day. 
just enjoying their company together daily. He would give out countless amounts of money to Bandicon, clothes, jewelry. Bandicon would just walk through the stable of the Guru, pick out whatever horse he wanted, placed on top of it the finest of saddle and fabric, which had gems and diamonds embroidered on it, and he would just take that horse out for a ride. Guru Hargobind gave him the best quality of weapons for Bandicon to wear, basically all the best items that came to the Guru's house, given as donation, as an offering from congregations, domestic and foreign. Guru Hargobind would receive them and then just hand them over to Bandicon. If Guru Hargobind didn't give it over to Bandicon, he would just request it from the Guru himself. Six watching this would just be infuriated, but wouldn't say anything out of fear for the Guru. They would just think, this is for the Guru to wear, or at least for some cause of the Guru. That's why we are offering it in front of the Guru. So when Bandicon would be seen wearing these clothes and weapons, the six would just be distraught. They would just be, damn, this wasn't for him. Guru Harubana would just be forever thinking of Bandicon really wouldn't look towards the rest of the six. Looking at this disposition of the Guru, looking at his nature in a very negative and slanderous way, the six thought, look how Guru Hargobind's bending and turning around the traditions, the Mariada, the code from the previous Gurus. But it was the six within the true congregation which had little intellect who were saying such things, who were saying that the Guru was just engaged in harsh and inappropriate conduct. They would also say, look, he's keeping the Torks close to the house of the Guru. This is alluding to the ethnically Tork Mughal warriors within the Guru's fold now. So they continue to say, he's not thought it inappropriate at all for this. He doesn't just sit in the Dharamsala, the Gurdwara. He goes out hunting into the forest. He always goes to see the daughter of the Qazi, the Muslim lawmaker, Golan. We've seen him go into her house. How can we talk about such conduct. There's nothing to say. So this is what the great amount of Sikhs were saying, seeing Guru Hargobind's conduct. These Sikhs couldn't just stand what was going on. They would get together and say, look, Guru Hargobind has looked so favorably upon the Turks, and Guru Hargobind being so compassionate to them has made them arrogant. This is how chapter 64 concludes. In the next chapter, we'll hear more about this controversy within the Guru's house, how some Sikhs are unable to comprehend Sikhi and the actions of Guru Hargobind. So that's where we're going to pick up next time. But as always, we'd like to thank those who have been supporting the podcast through the Mangalacharan Patreon page. Hello,